Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Uh, this week's episode is a pretty good one, I think. We're talking about Mariah Carey's Music Box album. Uh, I think we certainly had mixed feelings going into this one. I think we uh, certainly had an interesting episode. Uh, some of you are going to be kind of wondering if we're sharpening our knives. Some of you are going to wonder if we're absolute converts. Who knows what the answer is? Uh, well, you will in about uh, an hour and a bit's time after you listen to the episode, uh, unless you decide not to, uh, which would be weird in my opinion anyway uh what has been going on busy man it's busy 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 season uh the forge comedy club is starting to fire on all cylinders uh, i think i can quite confidently say we've got the best comedy club in brighton now we've got the best room we've got the best acts it's uh fucking great man if you like stand-up comedy and you're in or around brighton forgecomedyclub.co.uk uh is 100 percent the place to be uh come and check it out i'm off there in a short while i'm recording this on tuesday night i'm about to go and uh uh, work there while Sarah Pascoe, Zoe Lyons, and Andy Askins are all on the bill. That's a pretty solid lineup uh, for a Tuesday night. Uh, other comedy news: I'm about to start putting work in progress uh, out for my uh, new show. Uh, I've been working on a new hour. It's called uh, Dog Eat Dog. It's nothing like an hour at the moment. It's uh, much shorter than that, but there's some good stuff in it. I think it's going to be a really, really good show when it's uh, finished which is going to be in quite a while's time, but I am starting its first tentative steps in Brighton Fringe uh, Festival. So if you go on the Brighton Fringe website, put in Dave Fence and Dog Eat Dog, you can find all the dates for that. Also running On The Edge Comedy throughout Brighton Fringe. I think I've got about 17 shows. Got some really, really great killer lineups. Trying to focus on uh, on Brighton acts and uh, some other really great pro acts uh, from around that uh, don't necessarily play in Brighton all the time. So it's only eight quid, I think, for the show. So it's a really, really good hour. If you're in Brighton, in the fringe looking for something to do i thoroughly recommend on the edge comedy you'll have a really really good time uh anyway that's about it from me done a little bit of plug-in for you there um i hope to see some of you in the not too distant future as always let me know on uh, social media what you think of our takes on this album hope you enjoyed the episode catch you later motherfuckers People Day Fence, I'm here with another episode of Pop Collaborator. Listen, I'm joined as always by my hench collaborator, Mr. Krista Groove. Yes, everyone. How are we doing? How are you, Krista? I'm good, man. I'm good. I am feeling much better today. Uh, last time I saw you was Wednesday night. We went to the McCluskey show up in London. Oh, uh, we certainly did. They were fucking great, weren't they? It was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Really good. Uh, you made the decision not to drink. Yes, I did. Like a sensible person. I made the decision to drink for both of us. You did. Uh, and then we found out that we had to get a bus rail replacement thing on the way back home from London, yeah. which meant that we didn't go until half past two. Indeed. And I felt pretty rubbish all the next day. I felt tired, yet a little smug. I bet you uh, were. Yeah, I was all right, man. I, I was all right. Were. But yeah, fucking worth, it's still it's still worth the, that, that trip for that gig. Well, oh, it was great. 
Yeah, really. if you if you haven't got tickets, if you if you haven't listened to McCluskey, go and listen to McCluskey. This is on the uh, was it twentieth anniversary? Twentieth of McCluskey Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a show it was! If you, if, you, if you are a fan of McCluskey and you're on a fence about going to see some of the other shows they're doing like this year, yeah, just fucking get oh, tickets. They're, yeah, they're really brilliant. Love and, it. and Falco is just an effortlessly funny front. Man, oh, it's annoyingly so good, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, you just watch him chat to the audience for an hour and a half. Fun fact, his wife and bass player of Future of the Left, mm-hmm. Julia, was the assistant to the guy that I work with doing the new comedy club. Oh, Fourth. indeed, yeah. Yeah, so weird connections. But, uh, also connection, uh, the same woman, Julia, uh, used to be sort of a junior product manager at Island Records whenever I was doing yep. music promo stuff. And I used to have to talk to her and order things like, you know, can I get 5,000 Keen posters, please? That's oh, sort of nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, she would help me out with that. Sort oh, can you imagine that there's ever such a demand for 5,000 Keen yeah. posters? <laughs> okay, absolutely, those were the days. I, I, well, okay, other tenuous connections. When, when I was a pharmaceutical rep, yes. I used to have to go and see a doctor that was the father of one of the members of Keen. Oh, well, they are. Right. There you go. Gosh, it all comes round. Doesn't it, just? Yeah. Fine. Well, we're not doing any of those bands today. We are here today to talk about Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. Now, yeah. now this is this is an interesting one for mm-hmm. me. I'm going to oh, say. Okay, go for it. Because like uh, the weird thing is, and this is probably the first time anyone has drawn the a, like a kind of a close comparison between these two set of artists. Yeah. But for me, this is the closest. Uh, the closest thing to this is the Suede episode that we did. Okay. Because back in the early nineties. This was the enemy to me. Like, okay, Mariah, sure. All right, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard for me to come in with no baggage to this record because I took such a visceral dislike oh. to Mariah Carey in the early nineties. Right, there were songs that were all over MTV, kind of interspersed with the kind of the grunge bangers yeah. that I was listening to. And I'm not a big fan of the uh, the kind of the vocal histrionics. In sure, general, yeah, which she's know? very well known for because she was so obviously kind of a big face of a particular kind of music. Because we went from swing beat into 90s R&B. And mm-hmm. I, 90s R&B, I didn't care for it as much. It was all a bit over-earnest. It was all a bit up-and-down scales, singing about emotions you may not have ever truly experienced. Right. And, I didn't, and yeah, this was she was kind of almost like the poster girl for a kind of a whole genre of stuff okay. that, that was quite closely linked in some people's mind to things that I did like, but was actually, to me, the antithesis of it. Because obviously R&B and hip hop intrinsically linked. Sure. And a few years later, like 95, 96, the things that crept into hip hop that I really didn't like as a younger man. Yeah. Were all those kind of big R&B influences that are in there. When it all went a little bit jiggy. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you know, we're talking about Wu-Tang this year. They're talking about hip hop Mm -hmm. being R&B, rap and bullshit, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I was very, you know, I was a, a young man with some fairly strident opinions. Sure. And that's where I was on it. Okay, well, were you there? Because this album is 93. Yeah. This is her third album, 1993. Mm-hmm. Were you instantly from, like, the 1990 Mariah, instantly going, ah, oh, now, fuck this? I mean, I, I, I can't really tell you in the, my mind when... I actually became aware of Mariah Carey. Okay, right. But this is the era that I remember being most presented with Mariah Carey and and having mostly decided that this was not something that I liked at all. Okay, well, I suppose, I mean, this was definitely when she started to make the really big inroads in the UK, especially, Mm -hmm. because uh, the first album uh, came out in 1990, and... 
it was massive in the States instantly. She was a, yeah. a big star immediately over there. That album sold 15 million copies, uh, just her self-titled one. Followed up 1991 with Emotions, uh, which sold 8 million copies worldwide. Yeah. So not as big, but it's still much, much bigger in the States. Didn't do a huge amount in the UK okay. on those ones. She was doing, uh, you know, a decent amount. She was, she was top 40 on all the singles that she was releasing at mm-hmm. that point. But it wasn't until this album that... All of the singles of this album went top 10, and yes, they hadn't been doing that before. So the UK was was catching up to her kind of her stardom. And so this would definitely have been when she was, if you were seeing it on, you know, TV over here mm-hmm. or he- hearing it on the radio over here, this would have been the era that she was in more in your face with that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I must admit, I remember her being around and... Think I maybe remember Visions of Love, her first single. That might just be me looking back. I'm not sure. Okay. But I wasn't interested at all. And by '93, I was in the same place as you. I was going, all right, no, this is not what I want whatsoever. And deliberately ignored it as much as I could. Yeah, yeah. Um, same as that. And even the the big, some of the big singles off this, I don't really remember that well. Okay. Even though they would have been all over radio and stuff like that. Um, but I also. I have probably mellowed much more. I now think that she has a couple of great tunes in her catalogue. Well, you're on record as the best Christmas song of all time. Oh, I think, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I mean, I I guess I just haven't really thought about Mariah Carey a lot. And I've I've tried to kind of go into this. Mm -hmm. I look back at some of those opinions and I go, you know, they weren't necessarily the right opinions held for the right reasons. Sure, yeah, it was a knee-jerk against it rather than actually listening. You know, it's from a, a kind of tribalism yeah, that, of kind of, that, that came along. And, you know, look, I'm, you know, I, I, and I was not loving my pop music in the same way that I had for the rest of my life around there. So, you know, I'm sure. open to the idea that this might be better than I think. But right. Well, yeah, I, I was definitely hoping that this would be a, a bit of fun because um, yeah. I was, I'd never heard it before, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back and going, oh, yeah, I recognise some of these titles. I hope that this is better than I'm assuming it's going to be. That's where I'm at. Yeah, and that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm not not looking forward to it in the way that I wouldn't look forward to, for example, a Cliff Richard record. Well, of course, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm, we'll see. We'll see what goes on. So let's start with the yeah. album cover. Okay, mate, it's dull as fuck, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, I've got the CD in front of me, got for £1 at a charity shop. Mm-hmm. And it is a black and white very, very close-up image of Mariah Carey's face. Yeah, I mean, it's... Directly, yeah, 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 that's it. Here's an album that's made by an attractive woman, is what that album cover says. Oh, oh totally. But it's, I, it's also saying to me, but she's a bit more grown up now, because it's a black and white. She's not, like, smiling. It's a serious face. It's uh it's She's a, bit, a, a sultry, I think she's going for sultry. there. Sultry, maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, uh, there were some critics at the time, whenever this album came out, that uh, criticised her for... What they considered a very blatant attempt to kind of cross over into that adult contemporary market okay. from the more pop stuff she had been mm-hmm. doing or whatever, um, and that would tie in. This imagery would tie in with that to me. It seems like a record company have gone right. We need to hit you know the the, the grown ups a bit more mature. So let's make a serious album cover. Yeah, I mean, bear in mind that we are adults now, and mm. your your advertising may have been misplaced because I don't feel particularly mature at this point. No, that's very true. Um, as some of the things I laugh at and will <laughs> laugh at throughout this podcast, <laughs> absolutely. We'll point out. So right, the first track is called "Dream Lover," right? And yeah, and this was the first single as well. Mm-hmm. So let's play a bit of this. Uh, the first thing was released in August 93, just before the album came out, because the album was number one in September of 93. Got to number nine, this single. Okay. Yep. I mean, so far, so smooth. That is a ear-piercing a, vocal. It certainly is. 
Oh, that's a bit of a beat. Yeah. Kind of subdued, bit summary. It's very summary, and it's using the same sample. It's, it's a, a sample of a track called Blind Alley by The Emotions, which had been used in quite a few hip-hop songs yep. by this point. Um, the, the biggest one would probably be Big Daddy Kane, or Scenario, actually, yeah. the Scenario remix. Look, look, that little upscale BV that she's doing at the back there, uh-huh. that yeah, yeah. That's, that's nice. And that is, that is very, and like you say, it's very summary, it's light, it's poppy, it's floaty. Sure, yeah. and this is, you know, Mariah's verse... It, voice is instantly recognisable. You, you yeah, know, you, yeah. it is what it is. It's you know, here it's relatively restrained. It's mostly serving the tune. Mm-hmm. Fewer histrionics than you may expect. Indeed, indeed. And that was another thing critics said about this album in general was that she didn't do as much of that as she had been doing mm-hmm. before. Um, and whether that was I mean, reacting to people going, "Oh, that's all she can do," yep. or if it, if it's more to do with it, it's better for the song. Mm-hmm. Don't know, but she, she's not doing it as much. But this kind of, you know, kind of limps along is doing it a disservice. It kind of skips along. I, yeah, I think this is a very pleasant song. I think this is a nice summary yeah. tune. Good pop. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely fine. It's kind of inoffensive, on the, but on the kind of plus side of inoffensive. Definitely, yeah. Um, there's what suspiciously sounds like a Hammond organ at some point. <laughs> Um, the, uh, I don't think it is. But. The, the, well, the main producer on the whole album is a guy called Walter, and I think it's going to be Afanasiev, possibly. Uh, I say that again? Afanasiev. Afanasiev. Yeah, he's a Russian guy, or of Russian descent anyway. Okay, Ooh, and bad he, timing. He uh, did, uh, a lot of the production he did was adding stuff like um, a little bit of an organ over the top of things to kind of mellow uh, mm-hmm. the hip-hop bits out, that sort of stuff, because this song, this one, uh, was produced by a guy called Dave Hall, who was known for more hip-hop production at the time. If I ever get rich, that's what I'm going to call my house. What's that? Dave Hall. Dave Hall, lovely. Yeah. Uh, uh, he had been doing uh, production for people like Mary J. Blige, another uh, sort of lower-level hip-hop. Heavy D and the Boys was another one, that sort of stuff. But Mariah Carey was keen to work with him because she wanted to start trying to do stuff more in that direction. And so they came up with this sample, the, the loop that was used, and whenever it went to, then to the record company, they got the other producer, this Walter Asenafiev, or whatever he's called, uh, to come in and do a little bit more of a pop sheen on it. Okay. And so he was adding things like a Hammond. He was um, you know, temping down some of the drums. Yeah, adding things like a Hammond. Of course, that's what you do for a 90s thing in a 90s pop sheen. It makes it sound a bit more perky, I suppose. Where's the sax solo, Chris? That's what I asked Oh, you. mate, Where's there's the not half of that on this. This is one of the few albums that we've got to that there's no massive sax solo. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it kind of ends, it gets a little bit more showy-offy towards the end, doesn't yes. it? Um, a little bit, but, but again, not hugely. I'm, yeah, I'm certainly in no way offended by this tune I'm, you no know, I like I'm, it I'm kind of six and a half seven on this right I, I do like it um, it reminds me of I think probably my favourite song of hers is Always Be My Baby mm-hmm. uh, which was a later one it's from 96 and this reminds me of a slightly not quite as good version of that because there's a lot of uh, in that song there's a lot of that do 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 bow that sort of stuff which she's doing a little bit here uh, and it works nicely um, yeah. one thing I think we should Say, I think she's got a great voice, you know. Um, When when she's not doing all the silly stuff, she has a terrific voice Mm -hmm. for this sort of stuff. It's powerful, um, but she can, you know, she can do the softer bits as well. And she hits it so cleanly. It's really, it works very well. And so I think on the the tune like this, uh, it's it's lovely. I think it's really nice. Cool. uh, This one got me. Um, There's also, uh, there's a video for this because it's the first song, obviously, first single. And video for it is... 
it's people on a sunny day. You know, it's, it's a load of people in a kind of a, a field of long grass dancing mm-hmm. and swimming in a waterfall and stuff like this. And so obviously, it's giving off that, you know, hot sunny day vibes. But it also reminded me just how fucking hot uh, Mariah Carey was in 1903. <laughs> and 18-year-old me, while deliberately ignoring all of her stuff, I should have maybe paid more attention because she was gorgeous back then. You know, she was just this all-American beauty type. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, whenever I think of Mariah Carey these days, I think of her these days, where it's a bit more, she's got some work done and she's looking a bit more, you know, made up mm-hmm. in order to, to keep her diva looks. Back then, she was just this kind of just pretty, gorgeous woman. Good stuff, man. Right, well, let's do uh, track number two. This one was also a single. It's called Hero. Yeah. So this was the second single, in fact, in November of 93. And this got to number seven. This was everywhere. So look, so yeah. far, so Disney. Oh, yeah, yeah, true enough. I mean, it was apparently originally written for a film soundtrack. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's... You know, lyrically, it's it's cloyingly aspirational. Absolutely, you know, look for the hero inside yourself. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah, very yeah. show tuny. Yeah, but it is completely carried by the vocal, isn't it? Uh, it uh, yep. I mean, the vocal's it, perfect, and it is a very good vocal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's part of me, yep, that listens to a song like this, right, and goes, "Oh, I fucking hate this." Right, and that okay. is a quite a fairly bitter curmudgeonly part of okay me. right yep but then there's another bit of me that just kind of goes I could just succumb to this do yeah. some air pulls yeah oh, embrace yeah, course, yeah. the chorus and I kind of like the second guy better do you know what I mean okay yeah well that guy's having more, a lot more fun because I mean, like you know this song is for, once you know what you're doing with yeah. this song once you know where you are we're like okay we're in this territory oh it's every single cliche that you could you could hope for in a power ballad. but like I you know I want to be drunk Drop into my knees, pulling the <laughs> yeah. air down, fucking like kind of just air singing the, yeah, the key mom. change. Eighteen-year-old me would have hated this, but he was a dick. Well, indeed, oh, this is exactly the thing. You're, whenever you are making a choice of going, no, I don't like this. Even though you're not even getting a chance, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not letting any of this stuff in, and it, yeah. it's good for you. This is like this is like us, uh, Aerosmith, being like, fuck off. I know, man. Fucking not, uh, uh, you know. Oh, Hope they don't play. Uh, don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. Next, two seconds into it, all of us singing along <laughs> at the top of our voice. Um, yeah. And this is, like I say, it's every big par ballad cliche. And we we know we both love a par yeah. ballad. Um, it, it starts off soft. There's not too much instrumentation in the back end. Then you get the. St- it's got the strong, uplifting vocals, the lyrics about you know overcoming your troubles and finding the st- inner strength. Mm-hmm. This sort of shit. Um, the drums come in on the second verse. The vocals go up a bit. Some strings come in. Mm-hmm. Then the second chorus is, is a little bit more passionate and dramatic. And you know that there's a bridge. Oh, at, at the end of, I think, just at the end of this chorus, you know there's a big bridge mm-hmm. on the way because she's... Well, let's just turn this up a little bit because she's coming in again. But it's 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 not as... Uh, oh, here we go. And then, Bam. Swelling bang, it bang. into it. See, th- like this type of yeah. thing, right? This is the, this is peak X Factor, right? Oh, very much, very but much. What it also is is it's the thing that if you play it next to nearly anyone that's ever been on one of those shows, mm-hmm. that kind of shows up. Actually, loads of people can nearly do this, right? Yeah, but very few people can act this. There's oh, a fucking there are loads of people who are the best singer of their mates. Yeah. And their mates are like, oh, oh, this girl's amazing. Yeah, but 
she's not Mariah Carey. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think this is a fantastic, uh, overblown, ridiculous, cliche-ridden power ballad. Absolutely. And it get, it, you know, the, the amount of times I listened through this album, and I ended up just really enjoying this one every time. Um, and there's, there's, there's actually there's a good story about this as well, because apparently uh, it was originally written for Gloria Estefan. Mm-hmm. Um, and people approached Mariah Carey and the producer, Walter Asanafiev, and said, right, we need a song for this film, this 1992 film that I'd never heard of in my life, mm-hmm. called Hero, um, Gina Davis, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Never heard of it. And so they were asked to write a, a song, and they wrote the basis of this in just a couple of hours. And they were basing it on the themes of the film, and it came out so schmaltzy, yeah. which was not what Mariah Carey wanted to do in this album. So she decided she didn't want to sing it and was going to give it away. And because she'd made that decision, it became even more schmaltzy, because she was like, oh, well, I'm not going to have to sing these words. Fuck it, let's just go all out nonsense. Uh-huh. And you can hear that's exactly what happened. But uh, whenever uh, Tommy Mottola, who was the head of Sony, and also at this point married to Mariah yeah. Carey, heard like a rough demo of it, he went, you are a fucking idiot if you're going to give that song away. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Just, okay, maybe tweak it a bit and make it a bit more for you, but you need to do this, so yeah. do not give it away. So he then went back to Columbia, who were doing the film, and went, oh yeah, we didn't manage to write a song. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing, nothing at all. So sorry, and kept it for themselves. And then Gloria Estefan ended up singing a song written by Luther Vandross for the actual film, and they just completely under the counter went, "Nah, no, nah, you're not having this one." Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. the right decisions, absolutely the right decision, because this is one of now Mariah Carey's signature tunes. Absolutely, it's, this is one of the biggest ones she does, you know. Um, but what this, what it really did. And I was surprised um, from reading up around it. It hit home to me that she was really considered a songwriter. Because I had assumed she was one of these puppets who sang other people's songs all the time. Yeah, I was. I, I, I mean, I, I must admit, I presumed that most of this stuff was, yeah, was ghostwriting. Totally. But on this album, every single song, apart from the cover version, um, she is solely credited with the lyrics. Okay. And she is uh, she's co-produced and co-written the music for every single song. Okay. And it turns out that she was uh, actually known as a very good songwriter back in the day, and she was so she was getting approached to write for other people as well, which I just didn't know. Yeah, I, 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 go. I've got a lot more respect for. Her well, that. I would say that is ingrained misogyny and a, yeah. a, a product of the patriarchy, Krista. Damn right. Uh, Damn right, so it was I the 90s. You go home and smack yourself in the balls with rhubarb. <laughs> You're quite. That's absolutely fine. Okay, well, let's um, do track three. No, oh, no, on. we've got more, we've got more, we've got, got more. One, uh, just one thing I saw on the Wikipedia page for uh, this song. There's a wee section for um, critical response and that sort of uh-huh. stuff. And uh, uh, there's quotes from people who are writing for Billboard, for Entertainment Weekly, Rolling Stone, that sort of uh-huh. stuff, you know. But in between all of those, there's one line that says, uh, Rick Ambell from Crawley News stated that <laughs> Carrie really is at her best on Ballads Like Hero. <laughs> Why the hell's that made it on the Wikipedia? Oh, who knows, man? I, I, mean, mean, I mean, anyone can put it in. To be I know. Fair. I wonder if it was Rick Ambell from Crawley News who I, put that in. I hope so, man. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks, Rick, for it's, your. It's good insight. to know that it's, it's good to know that circa circa ninety three, uh, like Kerry was doing the numbers around three bridges. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, lovely. Right, well, let's do uh, track number three. Uh, this one's called "Anytime You Need a Friend." Okay, so straight away, down-tempo, 90s, gospel, yep. R&B. Yeah, and it's, it's another slow one, another ballad. Yeah. Uh, this was the fourth single. Uh, got to number eight in June of 94. And yeah, the lyrics, this is this is about if you need a friend by your side, mm-hmm. I'll be there no matter what. That's yeah. you know, gen- absolutely generic stuff. But it's, again, it's... 
It's got a big production in there. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of drama in this track. Very much so. A lot of pomp and bombast. Yeah. I find the, the verse is a bit forgettable, choir. but here we are, man. Bang. This chorus. The way the chorus breaks in, so much fun. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got the huge gospel uh, choir coming in, and the line coming up, the Don't You Ever Be Lonely line, mm-hmm. that, I don't know if I if I remember from the time or if it's just got its hooks in me now, but that's really great. It's something, I, I really remember that, mm. that bringing you into the, the end of the chorus. Yeah, I see, uh, look. And she's going a lot harder vocally on this one, I think. It's, 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 look, this one's weird because it's, this is not my vibe of a song, right? I, okay. I don't know when I'd sit and try and listen to this, but I, I, I can't hate on it at all. It's, it's, no. it's full of, it's clearly put together with a lot of love, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a bit when she's towards her, she just starts going, singing, it's all right. And it's just yeah. fucking great. Oh, I the see. Okay. Yeah. And like these little, they just have a little touches, little bits of instrumentation. This that separate it from other similar things. Right. Yeah, I that organ again. Yeah. I. I you know. I, I'm kind of conscious by saying it's not my vibe, but I. I do maybe, like this maybe quite say a lot. It's not your vibe, but this put me in mind of, and obviously it's not in the same league as, but put me in mind of stuff like Man in the Mirror and like a Virgin yeah. because it's got that big choir back in and. Yeah. And. and Definitely her. There's, there's some like big, powerful vocals mm-hmm. in the foreground, um, which is your vibe. You know that those would be your true, vibe. True, true. Um, and th- t- yeah, I think you're right. I said the same thing that the vo- the verse doesn't do an awful lot for me, no. but it's a, such a catchy chorus. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, whenever she is doing her, her more kind of, she's almost like growling some of the words at the uh-huh. end. She's doing that very over stupid nonsense yeah. stuff. But it works for this. this. If you're going to make a cliche-ridden song, tick all those boxes. Mate. Absolutely, man. Tick them all. Yeah. No, I don't think you need to be original when you're doing this. This sort in this genre, yeah. you just need to do it really well. Absolutely. And this is a good tune. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, which I'm surprised at because I was thinking, oh, it's another ballad. I, I wasn't expecting another ballad straight away. But yeah, I, I got to say, I, I was not expecting to be three for three on no. the first three tracks of this record. No, same here. Same I, here. I was not like not you know. Yeah, and and just being honest as well, not even being you know like I'm going to give this you know too much of a chance. Mm. You know, I feel these are real. You know, these are my honest feelings on it. This bit here is oh, yes, yeah, so. it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I think Se- uh, second I best of it's that. all right of the nineties. Oh yeah, <laughs> shout out E17. E7 tulip. Right, yeah, no, like you say, three for three. Very pleasantly surprised. That's nice, man. Three, oh, that's three. Decent. All right. Well, look, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Let's album it up. Right. Yes. Like I said, in September of 1993, this was number one for one week only, September the 5th to the 11th of 93. Mm-hmm. So it, we're, we're following on from UB40, which was number one for absolutely ages. So there's a couple of new bits that we, we can have a look at. UB40? I'd be 46. Okay. Uh, number 10 in the charts is Bon Jovi's Keep the Faith. Yeah. Uh, which, that's the one we did, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, the one we did. We did. Uh, number nine is Adam and the Ants, uh, Best of Ant Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, U2's Zeropa. Seven, R.E.M. Automatic for the People. Six, Billy Joel, River of Dreams. Number five is a new entry, and we saw the single of it in the last episode, uh, but The Breeders' Last Splash okay. is a new entry at five. And I must admit, I don't remember it going in at five. I'm no, I very, don't I'm very impressed with that. Uh, but, you know, I, that's one of the ones that I had day one sort mm-hmm. of stuff. It's a really good album. It's not 
Um, for me, it's not their best album because I think Pod, their debut, is genius. Yeah. And this is a very different type of album to it. Whereas Pod is, it, you know, it's an Albini production. It sounds a bit, lot more uh, scratchy and lo-fi. Mm-hmm. And this is much more polished. But there's still some brilliant songs on it. It's a very, very catchy album. Um, number four, Spin Doctors, Pocket Full of Kryptonite. Number three is The Levelers. The Levelers, which is, I think is the first time we've seen that in a uh, chart. So. Uh, number two, UB40, Promises and Lies. And then this is number one, Mariah Carey. Okay, yeah. And to be honest, because it's only one week, there is only one uh, other album that I've been able to pick out. And okay. it only got to number 46. Wow. And it is The Wild Hearts, Earth versus The Wild Hearts. Right, okay. And it was their, that's their debut album. Mm-hmm. And I must admit, I do remember there being a bit of fuss about the band whenever they came out with this. I didn't get it. And I never did. I never did either. No, uh, right. Our friend Darren, friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. Darren uh, from the Metallica episode, yep. loved the Wild Hearts. Uh, he was in one of their videos. It was, it oh, was wow. uh, yeah, one of the front couple of rows of. Uh, uh, I think it was Hammersmith Apollo, oh, okay. possibly. Yeah. But yeah, Darren went big in on the Wild Hearts. He loved them. And, and they, they had such... I mean, I remember going to Reading in 94. Right. And probably the most ubiquitous T-shirt I saw was the Wild Hearts. The Wild Hearts right, had, a, had a very specific tour T-shirt. Because they had that, that yellow face with the, the cross, crossbones. Yeah, they? I, yeah, yeah. They, they had a very distinctive brand in their head. And I they had s- very... Good branding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, weirdly enough, uh, years later when I worked in HMV, uh, uh, the guy Ginger, the yeah. singer, was a regular customer. Was he? He used to come in and order albums all oh, the really? time. Yeah, I, I had his mobile phone number. I, I took it home with me because I thought, I'll prank call him one of these days. I never, <laughs> I ne- never, actually, I never actually did. I uh, never got around to it. Um, never, oh, that's a shame. But um, yeah, no, ne- never really never got the band. Never really. It's, it was but never the, my brand of rock. No, but they absolutely had fervent fans they were one of the you know let's get a tattoo of the logo Mm -hmm. that sort of shit I have friends as well who were really into them and would occasionally go oh but have you listened to this song this is the one that'll get you and I go oh well this is uh, well it's just just a bit dull this I Ugh, always thought the same, but, but people thought that it was a living embodiment of of rock and roll. It was, yeah, I had a problem with so much of the British stuff that came out of the rock scene around this time. Right, you know, yeah, I, I think nineties nineties rock and metal was. There's a reason none of those bands hit big, and the the people were always like, "Oh, there's a reason for it." And ultimately, the reason was they just didn't have fucking great tunes. Didn't have the tunes. Yeah, that was the main anyway. thing. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that is the only other album that I managed to go. Oh, there's something there we can chat about. But that's uh, all right. But there's more in the singles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that is a really, no, really no, short album. Honestly, it's, yeah. No, it's. I maybe it's because, uh, like I say, we've just done a massive one on UB40, and the next one we're doing. Was we certainly one. did do a massive one on UB40 <laughs> last week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you before me. And they fucking deserve it. Um, and yeah, we got the next album we're going to be doing was number one for ages and ages and ages. So this one is falls right in the middle, and there's not a lot released. Okay. Also, I bet you it was because this is fifth of September, and I do remember from my days whenever I was I was having to promote music stuff, a lot of record companies would wait to put good stuff out, stuff that we would consider mm-hmm. good at least, um, until the un- uh, universities have started, which right. is usually kind of halfway through September. Uh, okay. They would wait for students to be going out and spending their grant. Right, right, And right. so it would be another couple of weeks before we'd see a ton of releases. It was always mid to late September that sure. we'd see a ton of big releases like that. Nice. So it might be that. This is the start of September and it's just the, the wild hearts. Back when students had a grant in 93. Imagine. Ooh. 93. Oh, I, 93, I started uh, university probably a couple of weeks after this album came out. Yeah. And I got a partial grant. Fuck me. Yeah. 
partial Imagine, grant. imagine those times. Right, okay, let's do go back into the album then. Track four is the title track. It's called Music Box. No, there is a music box. There is a music box. And this is the first non-single that we've come across so far. Yeah. And it's the, the longest one so far as well. It's, but still under five minutes. We've had mm-hmm. really kind of short, punchy songs so far. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. This one might be where I draw the line a little bit. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, but because it's like another ballad in a row or... It's, it's not even... Just, it's just another ballad. It's just this one is so... I mean, it. Despite having said I like the other ones, which are also very earnest, this one is very earnest. Yep. And a bit empty. It's a bit breathy and faux poignant. And, sure. I mean, the vocal's still got some moments, but the track is just so sparse. And she does some kind of high range warbling on this one that yeah. I find a bit unpleasant to listen to. Okay. And yeah, I guess this is kind of the song I was scared I was going to get 11 tracks of. Oh, right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is ineffective. I think this is a much more flimsy than the other yeah. ones. Um, and while I was going, oh, right, it's another ballad, I was like, I do, I do like that bit. I see, no, that's, I, that's I kind nice. of I'm not sure I do like but, that um, But the, the main thing for me was that this is a ballad that that plays with me mm-hmm. it tickles my balls mm-hmm. but never finishes me off it, <laughs> wow. it, it, yeah. it's, it builds or it feels like it's building to something but it's not it yeah. just goes like this pretty much yeah, the whole it's, way it's, through it's, it's an absolute blue balls it, it is yeah yeah yeah. It's, it's nearly like you say it's nearly five minutes long and it's it's just dull it doesn't it doesn't earn it's it doesn't earn it's uh, play time and there are other no. songs on this album that are almost too short um, well, yeah, surprisingly so. But yeah, no. This but I was waiting for in this one. I was waiting for the uh, the drum fill, just boom, 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 yeah. into the big orchestra. And it just meanders again. along. And it doesn't. Yeah, and maybe that is deliberately going. Oh, we can't just do the same thing for three songs in a row. Maybe we have to do something a bit different. Fine, okay. But this doesn't fulfil anything for me. Well, this isn't doing something different. This is just doing. This is just doing something you've already done. For longer without the changes, uh, yeah. But there's no, there's no um, happy ending to this. No, no. <laughs> literally or no. figuratively. No, exactly. Uh, so right. yeah, no, I, I wasn't so keen on this one at all. It was a strange one, and I don't think it's terrible. I do not think it's terrible. No, I don't. I don't hate it either. That's no. the thing. I don't go. I don't like, go. No, oh, right. Okay. okay turn whatever. it off. Turn it off. But no. It's yeah. yeah all yeah. right. Track five is called "Now That I Know." Okay, E17 piano. It really is, isn't yeah. it? And this one was produced by uh, Clivilles and Cole, which CNC Music Factory. Yeah. Uh, they produced two songs on here. This is the first one, and that becomes obvious very quickly. There yeah. you go. Yeah. It's kind of like take that as well, isn't it? Oh, it reminds me of uh, those Whitney Houston songs from '92. Yeah. You know, early, her, her early I'm Every nin- Woman. Yeah. Early yeah. '90s house tinged pop. Exactly. I do not like that keyboard sound. Oh God, no, I hate it. That, that really bizarre horn. Yeah, I, and this this is the thing. It's like obviously we've just given it a load of tags, mm-hmm. but it's a bit anonymous, isn't it? Oh, this is this is what the charts were full of in '93. Yeah, and this is really just bland wallpaper pop stuff. Yeah, and I that don't great, and that great, the, the, the great vocal is in no way served by this song. And no, not, not, not that this is a great vocal, but I mean the great vocal potential. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think she does. She does well on it because she, you know, she she goes for it. It's it's mm. a, a house 
banger sort of thing. Yeah. It probably did well in the clubs, but no, this is leaves me absolutely cold. Yeah, yeah, stone cold, mate. Yeah, um, it's lyrically turgid as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this is such a cookie cutter. We need a pop hit. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, here are some producers who have got success. Yeah. Can you do that for us? You know, it's like Sony have looked around and gone, okay, we need a uh, we uh, basically uh, Whitney Houston's what I come back to. We need a song like Whitney had a hit with yeah. one of those pop ones. Do that. Just just pr- press the Whitney button. And yeah, let's like, do that. It's one of those things that like, if you were if you were playing this to me. Uh, if you're playing this to me on the, the when we do the singles quiz, sure, I'd probably go through about three or four artists before I before yeah. I went. Is it Jocelyn Brown? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, no, precisely. This is the first one on the album. But I, mean, I don't I, think Jocelyn Brown would be someone I went to. to oh. <laughs> okay, but yeah, it, it, it's generic. It doesn't make it doesn't show Mariah Carey in any big way. <laughs> I mean, Jocelyn Brown is a really good analogy for when you're going for a shit, isn't it? <laughs> What are you doing? I'm Jocelyn Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Why did it take you so long? <laughs> I'm having to jostle this one right out. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh, man. Good oh, Lord. Anyway. Yeah. Um, right, let's do track six. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I do. I think that one is actually a bad song. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. And so this one is called uh, Never Forget You. Right. Okay, so it's a down tempo finger back down clicker. Again, yeah. uh, this one was co-written with Babyface. Okay. Uh, and it's got him and Daryl Simmons on production, who were a production team okay. with L.A. Reid, in yep. fact, at the time. And is it just me? Or does this sound very, very like uh, Boys to Men's End of the Road? Yeah, it's in that vibe, man. I, that's what I get from it. I... They wrote that song. Yeah. You know, and... It's almost like they've gone, oh, well, we, we've got this sound that we do. Do you want to do a bit of this? I mean, I, I'm very much getting the feeling that they're, they're burying some album tracks in the middle of the album at this point. You say that. This was released as double A side. Was it really? Yeah, this was a double A side with the next song. But, yeah. But I can't remember this one bit. And I bet you anyone who bought that single doesn't remember this song. Yeah, I don't think I'll remember this tomorrow. No, I, I've got a, a note. As soon as this... The road. That's the thing. Yeah. It honestly is. And so, like I say, um, uh, Babyface, Daryl Simmons, and L.A. Reid wrote End of the Road. They produced this. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, this is what you haven't even tried, guys. Yeah, yeah I've not even bothered. Um, I don't feel this. It's a it's a generic R and B ballad, and like you say, the, that was happening an awful lot in '93. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, people were lapping it up. You know, some of those singles did huge business. That's fair enough. I bet you this was bigger in the states. Absolutely, it's weird. We're we're exactly on the same page with every single one of these so songs far, so mate. far. So yeah. far, um, yeah. No, it, uh, I've got you know, it, it's inoffensive, but it's very background music. It's oh, it's one of those tracks when you're hearing it. It's you know, and I find this sometimes, like you know, when we're sitting, when I'm sitting doing the final notes, I'll be yeah. right, you know. Uh, and if you know, kind of, get, if you get distracted slightly, and they're like, oh, I'm like, oh fucking, hell, this song's finished. Before oh, it's I've gone. Got, yeah. It's done nothing to, and that's always a kind of an indicator to me that it's yeah. not because a good song will always something will click in. If, even if your mind drifts off, your song will click in your ear, and you're mm. like, oh right, okay, and you'll hear something. This one, it just kind of uh, no, fizzled out. I was forgetting it as it was playing. You know, yeah, yeah, a yeah. bar later, I was like, that's gone. Yeah, so no, I, I'm not a fan of that one, which is a shame because this album started off. 
much better than I thought, mm-hmm. and it's taken a dip oh, at for this sure. point. For yeah, sure. absolutely, yeah. Well, let's do track number seven. Right, and the, uh, this is the one that Never Forget You, which we just played, was a double A yeah. side with. Well, this one, and this one, this is without you, and this, yeah. was, this was absolutely ubiquitous Everywhere. on TV. Yeah. Everywhere. Isn't and I'm going to be honest with you, I remember, this is the one, I, I hated this. Did you? I hated it with a passion. It was okay. It was the distillation of everything I loathe. I see. Okay, well, right. let's uh, play a little bit of this. Well, I'm sure everyone remember this, but it, it's instantly. Oh yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna be, huge. and I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I went back to it. Yeah. As it started playing. Yeah. I could like feel it, like casting a fucking really? spell on me, like going, like, and I'm going, why did I not like this? And I was just like, I don't, what, what, do I know who the fuck I am anymore? <laughs> But it, this was so this is the third single, and this was number one. This is their first UK number one yeah. ever. Uh, it was stayed number one for four weeks, yeah. so it was a big one, huge in the states. Um, this was the seventh on, best selling single of '94. This is what I am. Oh, it's not here. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. I'm but, ahead of myself. I mean, did you know the like the Harry Nielsen version of this song before no. you heard this? Right, I, I would have heard it. I was yeah. aware. Um, and I think I just liked it because I was like, oh, she's just doing a, a, a fucking poncy version of Harry Nielsen. Yeah. Nah, nah. She's, this is a different level. This, this is, is, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is up there with the great covers. Oh, definitely. I liked it. It's but not the, even a Harry Nielsen song. It's a right. Badfinger song. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. But this little drop goes down. Yeah. So she's got the fucking depth to go up. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my absolutely. God. Because this is low for her. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing, this register for her is not what she's uh, and known she sounds for. so good in this register. Yeah. Come on. Kelly! Oh, come. Fucking brilliant, mate. Absolutely. Um, I watched a couple of... Because the video that went around for this was a, one of the live versions. I watched yeah. a couple of live versions. <laughs> and it's goosebumps. Yeah. Fucking brilliant, man. Um, yeah, it's just uh, look. This is just fucking enormous, yeah, glorious fucking overblown pop. The drama, right? Ah, the only such thing, drama. the only thing that's wrong with this song is it's only three and a half minutes. Fucking one of the too shortest. Short. One of the shortest. What the fuck? It's like I could have done with another bridge and another chorus. Oh, easy. Absolutely. Um, but this is the other bad thing about this is the amount of terrible X Factor things that spawn. Oh god, yeah. Know, but oh, but but this bit. She was born to sing this sort of oh, song, man, you know. Yeah. She was just made for it. This is her I Will Always Love You. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is a career-defining song for her. It follows the, that ballad plan to the letter. It does everything. And like you say, she starts off in that lower register. And she has said that she's actually... that's She has thinks she's got quite a low voice, yeah. speaking voice. And so when she does do a lower register, she's very, very comfortable with it. Yeah. But it's just not what she usually does. Mm-hmm. I bet it sounds great on this. You know... And as as that choir coming in, mm-hmm. it's got it, again ticking off all of yeah. those boxes. If, like, if, you get, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna go big, go fucking oh, Jesus big, and this yeah. is as big as it gets. This is one of the best songs of its type yes. ever recorded. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I was a dick for not liking it. That's that's so funny because you like actively hated and hated actively it. Actively hated right. it. Any time it come, yeah. I was like, oh, fucking not this shit again. Oh, when, yeah. You know, when am I going to hear Teen Spirit for the 50th time today? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, not this. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Not someone who can really sing, singing a brilliant song. Fuck. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, and this is a brilliant song because obviously this is a cover, like I say, it was a, a Badfinger song first, um, but they did a very kind of different thing. Uh, Nielsen released his version the year after it, mm-hmm. which became kind of the, the definitive version. That's yeah. the one that people know because the Badfinger was a bit more kind of rocky, whatever. Um, but the Nielsen version is brilliant. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But... You know, it's a lot more uh, mellow and tempered, obviously, because that's what he does. Yeah. Mariah comes in and just fucking turns it up to 20, yeah. kicks it in the face, yeah, yeah. and uh, scores a touchdown. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I did, one of the th- little facts that I did read about this, and this is weird, um, there were two songwriters in Badfinger who wrote this song, uh, Pete Ham, nice, nice name, mm-hmm. and Tom Evans. And they both committed suicide. Uh, Ham in 1975, after the band's manager defrauded them and took off all their money. Right. And then uh, Evans in 1983, after he had an argument with another bandmate about royalties for Without You. Right. And hung himself. Fucking hell. Yeah. This song's got a past. It certainly has. Yeah. But uh, as an abs- as a version of this song, this is the version of this song. Pete Ham would have a very particular flavour, wouldn't it? That kind of smokiness. Oh, yes. Well, that's a very true. Yeah. yeah. Um. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and I would happily listen to this drunk in a field with all your mates singing along top of your voice. Yeah, one of those ones. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe the uh, listening public doesn't ever need to hear that, but you know, we can uh, we can see how we do with, that, with this kick in. Join in on the other end of this podcast. Go on. I can live with it. How can you not? How can you not just want to join in with that? I, I did. Yeah, so good. So good. Really right. pleased with that. Okay, well, let's uh, have a listen to the singles then, I guess. Yes, indeed. All right, so the singles in the week of uh, September 5th to the 11th. Uh, number 10 is, in fact, Mariah Carey's Dream Lover. So that must have dropped down from the previous week. Number 9 is Apache Indian with Enough Vibes EP, which we saw last yep. week. Number 8 is Two Unlimited with Faces, which we did. Uh, we covered in depth on our Two Unlimited al- uh, album uh, review. I've blocked that from my Fucking mind. dreadful. Faces, faces. Uh, out of interest, yeah. uh, one of our most popular episodes. The Two Unlimited one? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with people? My yeah, God. I don't know. People just really love it when we go in and, and give an album a kicking sometimes, yeah. I think. Mm. Uh, number seven, Urban Cookie Collective with the key, the secret, which we saw last week. Number six, Freddie Mercury's Living on My Own, 1993. Number five, though, is a new entry, and you're absolutely going to get this. Yeah, it's Nirvana Half Box. Absolutely, yeah. Hot shaped box. And this was say. the first, we'll not talk too much about it because we're going to be doing the album. Sure. But this was the first return from there, the first new music, basically, since Nevermind. And yeah, I was very excited about this. But yeah. we'll get into that more whenever mm-hmm. whenever we do the full album. Whatever. Never uh, mind. Yay. Uh, so that's number five in the charts at the minute. Number four is Billy Joel's The River of Dreams. Number three, and this is a banger of a tune. Right here, right now. Uh, Sisters with Voices. SWV right S- here. Double the U, double. the V. Ah, yeah. such a good tune. Big up this tune. Really love it. And as far as I know, this was the first song that Michael Jackson allowed to, to, to sample. Oh, really? Uh, this is obviously samples human nature. That's the first one he gave permission to use as a sample, I think. Wow. Yeah. This is a great tune. Really, really catchy. Love this song. All, all they had to do was let him babysit their niece. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, worth it, if you ask me. Yeah. And keep their voices shut. Well, quite. Uh, so that's number three. Number two is Biddy McLean with It Keeps Raining, which we saw last week. Exactly. And then number one is a new one. And I, I remember fucking hating this at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, Mr. Raider, Mr. Wrong, isn't it? This is uh, um, uh, Mr. Vane. Mr. Vane. By um, Culture Beat. Culture Beat. Absolutely yeah. it is. Culture Beat, oh, Mr. Back, Vane. Man, the fucking, Vane straight in. The, the brain fog's gone. Damn. Yeah. Well, do you remember like liking this at oh, all? Oh, no, I hated this. It's fucking awful. Oh, it's terrible. It's so yeah, it's terrible. And, and the thing is, there was some of this sort of nonsense that I was okay with at the time. It's my life. Oh, yeah, sure. I even like the fucking The Key to the Secret. Wasn't but... this number one at some point? This album, or the, this record. Oh, no, this, this, this is the number one. Oh, this is the number, this is number one in this chart. Yeah, a little bit. yeah. Ooh, this is awful, awful, just dreadful. But uh, yeah, it was massive, massive. Call hit. him insane. No, thanks. No, no. no. Uh, so uh, we've got a few other ones to look at in the the period of the fifth to the eleventh for singles. Actually, I'll start off with a couple. I'm not even going to bother playing. And I got to number forty-seven. Criss Cross with All Right. Okay, don't I remember don't, that. One, don't remember so that. Remember no, no, is that that's the second album, Criss Cross, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah. 93? Oh, it probably is as well. Mm-hmm. No one cared. No one cared. No, they've probably got uh, Bumfloff Tashes by this point. No one gives a shit. Uh, and the other one, uh, Fluke with Groovy Feeling, got to number 45, yep. which I, I kind of remember from the time. And if I'm honest, listening back to it now, I'll, I'll play it in the background here, uh, listening back to it now, reminds me a lot of Underworld. Oh, yeah. I mean, they always did. Uh, that kind of, that, that big kind of tweaky 303 yeah. kind of. But it but had a really kind of nice filter on it. I, yeah, yeah. I, I liked, I, I had a bit of a fluke phase yeah. later down the line. Sure, but it, it does. It really, it's like, got that res feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, number 45 anyway. Uh, but there are a couple of really good ones. So, um, again, you're going to get this straight away. This one's number 23. Yeah, Stone Temple Pilots. Uh-huh. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Yes, um, fucking... Uh, dun, 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 dun. Plush. Plush. Yes, it is, mate. Yes, it is. I... I took a dislike to Stone Temple Pilots immediately. I uh, did, and then I then and then but I. I know like, you're a fan now. Oh you man, like it. purple thing is, I went, oh, this is just Pearl Jam copyist. Yeah, exactly the same. Right. Well, uh, first one I heard was Sex Type thing, and I went, yeah. oh, that's Alison Chains copyist. Yeah. Then I heard this, I went, oh, that's Pearl Jam. And at that point, I was like, oh, this band have nothing going for them. Uh, v- Vaseline is one of the best. Uh, like second albums of that entire okay, wow. that entire scene that entire genre yeah. like Vaseline's a fucking brilliant record man that, Fair uh, play. yeah that, that song Flies in the Vaseline we are sometimes it blows my mind it's, the fuck oh it's so did you ever so, see so them good. play live at this time or uh, 90s not, not this time the only time I saw Stone Temple Pilots live was when we saw them at Download many years later did we yeah well I don't know if you would have come but Maybe I not. saw them in the, it was, it was uh, pissing down with rain oh, I wouldn't have come then no exactly no right uh, okay, so yeah, but uh, plush that goes to number twenty-three. Uh, this one goes to number twenty-nine, and you know we've discussed this art at length many times. Stomp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is typical of why I think that this artist is just pants. Buk. Yeah. yeah. It's just annoying. Yeah. His Venus is a boy. Yeah. Yeah, I find this so annoying oh, as well. Oh, God. Sorry, you know, everyone who's going to 
tell us that we're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, we've, I, God, I, I've I've been around Bjork fans telling me I'm wrong for not liking Bjork for 30 years. Yeah, you build up an, an immunity, really. You know, maybe one day we'll do an album and we'll and we'll have to go. Oh, actually, we were wrong. Like we're kind of doing it in the minute. Uh, uh, whenever we, were, we did the U2 episode, and Stephen Hill uh, from Riot Act was guesting on it, he's a, a massive fan from New York, and he recommended an album that we should listen to. And I must admit, I haven't, but I, I haven't did notice either. that um, someone replied on Twitter, I think, to uh, a post about the U2 album, going, "Oh, uh, just uh, say." But by the way, I did listen to that album that Stephen recommended. Yeah, and it's crap. Right, fair yeah. enough. So it's like, all right, fine. I'm, I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, the the last single I've got though, and this got to number eighteen, and I absolutely loved this at the time. I mean, even if you don't get the the name of the song, you'll you'll get the band because this was played in all the indie clubs. Oh, it's very very jingly jangly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, I know what this is, but it's not yeah. coming to me. What is it? No. It's, um... oh, yeah. Nah. Yeah. I can't remember what's the name of the band. James. James. There, uh, you, go. So, James. there you go. That, that's yeah. Right. I should have fucking had it's, that. It's uh, Sometimes by James yeah. off the Laid album. And the late album, it was such a big surprise to me because Gold Mother was the first one I heard of and really enjoyed that. Really liked Seven, but then Laid was like even better. And it's so rare that that happens. Sure. And this album's just absolutely incredible, I think. Um, I love that song. Yeah, number 18 that got to in this time period. Very pleased with that. Uh, but that's what I've got. That's your singles anyway. <laughs> Let us crack back in with this motherfucker. Uh, this is track number eight. Uh, it's called Just to Hold You Once Again. Another ballad. Mm-hmm. We, we really are finding this album ballad heavy at yeah. this point. Mm. And this is about a lost love that she's been dumped and she's feeling proper shit. And I, I feel... You know, just cut to the chase on this one. I feel yeah. like we're pretty much after without you back in a filler territory. Yeah, I, I've uh, said wallpaper on this again. Yeah, it's it's just a bit shapeless tune wise. Um, it's got some nice touches. Yeah. It's got a couple of flourishes in there. Uh-huh. There's a, a you know that I would give it my all line in the chorus. I got me. It's catchy, but maybe it's Gen- been- generally the problem is it's like you've kind of if, if your trick is to showcase the vocal, you you're. You know, you fucking eight tracks, seven tracks. You're like, we've got it. I'm yeah. there now. Show me what else you got. Yeah, write a write a better song than this. Yeah, frankly, is for me. Uh, you know, again, if you are if there's an album of massive ballads, one of them being without you, one and the, but even like hero as well. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to go some exactly to impress me at that point. Yeah. And while again, I don't think this is terrible. It's it's just, just a bit weak. Yeah, it's just it just again, like I said before, it does the same thing. As other things on this record, but not as good. Yeah, it's a diet version so, yeah. of the other so, ones. Uh, yeah, um, nothing else really on this. It's 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 fine, but again, whenever I was listening through the album over and over and over to yeah. do this, there were ones, certain ones that I was like, I don't really remember this one very well. And this no. this was one that faded Absolutely, in the background. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so, fine. All right, well, look. I mean, the one thing that no one has ever said about podcasts is, oh, that was a good podcast, just a little bit too short. So let's, <laughs> move, let's, let's move Very on. true. If you've got nothing to say, let's say nothing. Right. Uh, track number nine is called I've Been Thinking About You. Yes. 
Here we go. Now, I love this type of beat. Oh, right. Uh, okay, well, this is the other CNC Music Factory guy. Yeah, yeah. One's production. I, yeah but, the, but, but that's why I like some of the CNC Music Factory songs. Yeah, sure. This is a good beat. It's got that 90s kind of pop swing beat feel to it. It's, it's probably a little bit dated already, but... Mm. Maybe. They leave a verse sparse on here so that that beat hits nicely when it kind of comes back in. Yep. It's kind of in that, like, kind of a little bit of janet camp, you know? Sure, yeah, 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 that's true. I thought, uh, yeah, this right. one, I find this one a lot of fun. Oh, do you? I, this is not much for me at all. Uh, no. I really like this. It's one of my favourites. Oh, right. Yeah. No, no, I, I don't get this. Um, but I, the, the beat is, is decent, but there are some keyboard sounds they use again. There's a really just fucking weird honking keyboard sound right. they put in there that I don't like the sound of. Um, and I don't think there's much of a tune. Uh, see, I, I think I think this is really good. It, yeah. that, that chorus. In in the most peculiar ways. Peculiar way. This is great. I love this. Dear, I say. Brilliant chorus. No, I guess it's average. Uh, no, no, it's, I, it's, I, I would say this is my second favorite song on the album. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in the most, if she's thinking about him in the most peculiar ways. She's thinking of some absolute filth. Well, she's not you, Krista. She's got a different set of oh, parameters. Yeah, but the thing is, right, I reckon she's a fucking filth monster. You, you've given some thought to this, haven't you? I reckon she is. I reckon you'd be scared of what might happen yeah. once you got under those sheets. Okay. Yeah, that's Fair my enough. guess. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to say... Uh-huh. Probably not a problem we actually have to worry no, about. No, probably not. I mean, I've I've seen her and I've seen <laughs> us, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm gonna be perfectly frank. Yeah, I don't think it's a matter of if you're like, would you? It doesn't matter. No, she okay. wouldn't. No, she wouldn't, fine. mate. It, really? I mean, you'd have to win. I mean, I, 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 actually, how much money could you? How much more money can she need? Oh, no, mate. There's, there, there is. I, I'm gonna go as far as say there is nothing that could happen in this world save a fucking virus writing out everyone. <laughs> Right. Oh, fingers and, crossed. And even then, I reckon <laughs> she'd be like, ah, do you know what? I've yeah. had a good run. <laughs> uh, it's probably I true. don't. I don't believe. I don't believe this. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine a situation. I can't imagine a more depressing situation for Mariah Carey <laughs> than having to have sex with either of us. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, can, you, no. can, can you? She'd just be like, nah, nah, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be over here, lads, murdering myself. Yeah, exactly. Oh, not jumping off this balcony. Yeah. These, uh, you're talking about how much money more, more money could she need. I looked up some of the kind of figures of what mm-hmm. she has, what, what she's achieved in her career. Yeah. Uh, and as well, she is 10th on Wikipedia's list of the highest selling artists of all time. Okay. She's fucking ridiculous yeah. amount of sales. 220 million mm-hmm. total uh, worldwide so far. This album, uh, because again, just on that tap, is placed at number thirty-five in the best-selling albums of all time. Wow! You know, it's in like between worldwide. Worldwide, it's yeah. in between Bond Jovi, Slipping When Wet, and Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. Um, and if you take out best ofs and film soundtracks, it's actually number twenty-six best-selling wow, album of all me. time. Um, so it's huge. It's fucking massive. Uh, but even right, uh, she co-wrote. Um, All I Want for Christmas is You mm-hmm. with the producer of Walter Asanasiev, I think, whatever he's called. Um, if they hadn't done nothing else, like literally nothing else, yeah. that song um, to date has accrued over $60 million in royalties. Jesus Christ. Um, it's estimated that she, like Mariah Carey, personally gets between 600000 and $1 million every year from that one song in royalties. I mean, it's worth recording, isn't it? Should isn't we do it? a Christmas song? God's sake, we surely should. I mean, Lad Baby have done it, and they're cunts. They are absolute pricks. 
Yeah. Oh, also the uh, the Walter Asnafiev. Uh, he has worked with loads of big names. He was a kind of you know a studio music, uh, gun for hire uh, in the eighties. But his first major production and writing credit was Licensed to Kill by Gladys Knight. Amazing. Big also, tune. also, uh, also played uh, Chekhov on Star Trek. <laughs> yes, that's him. Definitely. Uh, but you know, she she doesn't need the money. She, she certainly does no, not, mate. She doesn't need either of us. You're very no. right. Uh, all right, well, let's do track number 10, which is All I Ever Wanted, uh, mm-hmm. in brackets, not Dave or Krista. Yeah. End brackets. <laughs> Underlined that bit as well. So uh, this is the last song on kind of the regular album. The US yes. version has 10 songs. Yes. And there's a bonus track on the UK version, which we'll talk about. But this is the last one on the regular one. And it's another big ballad. Uh, so uh, and, uh, yeah, again, six, six out of ten tracks have been balanced yeah. so far. Again, we've got a little bit of a Laura diminishing returns here. Yeah, it's dramatic. It's got a big vocal performance at its heart. It's just missing a bit of a tune. There's yeah, there's no central tune here. As I say, it's a vocal showcase. I already get it. It's a good voice. I just need a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a yeah. It's a shame that it's landed a bit flat at the end. Yeah. This, this, this week because it was going really good at the start. And I just think that, it, like you say, a lot of diminishing returns. There's nothing uh, bad with, wrong with this song. It's just a bit dull. Yeah, I mean, look. Well, I suppose that is something bad. With yeah, it, I mean, that is something wrong with it. And yeah. I guess if you're really into the minutiae of this genre, that you might get something from this. You maybe you know, if you're really kind of all invested and you want to hear this, but I, you know, I'm not. I want, I want the drama. I oh, want the pomp. yeah. I want. You know, yeah. I, you you know it, I guess if you take this stuff at face value and that is your, your kind of register of what your enjoyment of music, what you demand from it, mm. then I guess this might be fine for you. Maybe, but maybe. I, but you know. no, let's face it, no one's ever going to cover this on X Factor. Yeah. If you're a basic motherfucker, uh-huh. that's for you. Anyway, let, let's, do, let's do the bonus song. This one's called Everything Fades Away. Right. And, and it's, like you say, this is only on the UK. Uh, it's on the European, well, Japanese and, European. and Australian versions but it wasn't on the US one which is weird because it's normally they normally go bigger out there yeah true enough um okay so we've got the echoey Maria McKee drums yeah show me heaven um and this features Will Downing of okay. a love supreme fame right. on vocals as well okay he wasn't doing anything else at that time probably not 93 okay. uh and uh, Walter Afanasiev he is on record as saying this is probably his favorite song on the album, he okay. wishes this had been on the the full the US version. Okay, but it was it was a record company decision. I mean, I, it's slow and understated. Yeah, it's it it is to me in still in the album track B side category. Okay, sure. But I think it's arguably better than at least four of the tracks on the, the no, album. Exactly, I think this is is a step up from. The ones that we've said. That's a shame about this band. Yeah, because it's because it's it's more distinct. It's got obviously it's got that beat that we've already mentioned. Yeah, and then it's got a kind of nice heavy keys and the and look. Yeah, and that's a really nice little bit of vocal yeah, there. No, it is. Um, and this is also, I mean, if we're saying this is part of the album, that's what we are saying. Mm-hmm. This is the longest song. This is five and a half minutes. Yeah. So they're they're really drawing this one out. There's a lot more going on. But I, I do like this chorus. Yeah, I do. This is a nice little uh, understated. You know, it's giving her the bass to do her vocal stuff mm-hmm. again. Um, but the, the choir underneath is is nice. I think this is definitely much better than the last few ballads that we yeah. have. And I've not listened for. to I've not listened to this one as much because yeah. obviously, uh, like we only kind of sus- sus that it had yeah. the extra version on it as much. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm hearing it again through the headphones now, and I'm liking it 
more than the last time I heard it. Sure. So yeah, yeah I know this works. I think this works for me. Uh, it's, it's a better ending to the album, at least. It definitely is. I'm glad that uh, we haven't finished on track ten. And to be honest, I think this would have been a better double A side with without you. If they were going to put something else on, this would have been another good single. Mm-hmm. Um, a radio edit of it, anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, I think this is decent. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised by this, which means you know, overall, if we were talking about eleven tracks on the album, yeah, there's probably like I don't know. There, there's definitely five or six that I've gone. Oh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, and there's you know three or four that I've gone. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I I like this an awful lot more than I expected to. I think it's mm. a, I think it's a patchy album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some filler on there propping up the big tunes, but yeah. the big tunes are tempo tunes. Uh, oh, and, huge! And you know you can kind huge. of deal with that. I think uh, at but no it, point did I genuinely hate it, uh, which you know that's f- a big thing. Following UB40, which I hated every fucking second of, sure. uh, and genuinely on reflection, think is the worst album we've done. Oh, not, really? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're I, saying that. I, I'm saying that's wow. the worst record that we've done. I think. Um, yeah, I, wow. I, I, yeah, I was genuinely surprised with this. I didn't have a bad time listening to it. No. Um, I yeah I can't say in all honesty that I think I'll be going back to it loads. Oh god no, this is not the sort of thing I will put on. No, but if I'm for whatever reason it might happen, listening to a radio and you mm-hmm. know one of those singles comes on, I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool. This yeah, is, this is nice. I, you know, and I certainly you know certainly have a kind of newfound kind of respect for it. Um, and I do, uh, and I'll, I'll reiterate, I've got a much bigger respect for her now, knowing that she wrote pretty mm-hmm. much all of these songs. Uh, sure. And had such a big hand in the writing of it, the creation of them, just because I didn't think that's what she was about. I thought she was just a very talented vocalist. Uh, so, yeah, much, much more respect for her uh, than uh, I did. Lovely. All right. Well, look, okay. Well, so uh, we had a, a reasonable reaction on this one on Twitter, I would say, put out uh, mm-hmm. the, the message a couple of days ago. I mean, first of all, I'm going to have to say big love to, to Martin Young. Oh, who, thank you, Martin Young, regular listener. Martin Young, who this is one of his favourite albums of all time yeah and he, he not wrote only... us a lovely email just saying this, his thoughts and you know th- th- there were moments in there where I could tell because uh, mine was fearing this was going to be an absolute kicking I think yes. he thought that's what was yeah, coming think, yeah. uh, and you know I could. Th- there was a moment in there I'm going to call you out on this Martin there was a moment in your thing when you went where you were kind of writing um, oh, do you know that his favourite her favourite band is the Wu-Tang Clan and yeah. I'm like <laughs> Come on, man! Like, that's not that's a as compelling us. That's as compelling an <laughs> argument as Hitler was a great artist and loved his dog. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, but, no. But as it stands, you know, we we were in it. But yeah, my, my some really really good points on that one. He you know he he liked it a great deal. Yeah, um, I mean, he. I think he's gone too far because um, he would. He said that he would put Mariah Carey up as like one of the greatest songwriters of all. Oh, no, in fact, probably the greatest singer and songwriter of all time, which I think is a stretch. But, I also think that's a stretch. But fair play to you, Martin. You, you backed it up with some arguments. And, you know, some of them make a lot of sense. But, yeah, the, 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 when when this album is very good, you know. It, oh, it's terrific. It, it is an and album. That, I don't do, think anyone's ever said she can't sing. You know, she no. can fucking sing. Yeah. And fair play. She does, often. Right. So what else have we got on here? So, I mean. Uh, the, I think the first one I've got here is uh, Ollie Woodstock. Uh, he, he said uh, sort of. Something that a lot of people did say, that he associates her vocal work with the warbling equivalent of guitar noodling. Agree completely. Stretching words beyond breaking point, keeping the band in the background at all times, which he finds exhausting and tedious. And then he's also said he learnt today it's called melisma. Apparently that term is, that's what that is. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. That's what I kind of had coming in. I oh, don't, the same, I don't it, that's think, my head, yeah. I don't think there was that much of that. I mean, there's bits of it, mm-hmm. but it, it, that certainly wasn't the overriding thing I came it, away no, with. No, it absolutely wasn't. And like I say, uh, I did read that the reviews 
at the time were also saying, oh, she's not doing that as much. So I guess that was a, a step away from that, that very stereotype thing that she'd become known for. A Zero's podcast have said, I greatly fear what puns are available with regard to your usual Photoshop. <laughs> I mean, there haven't been many, actually. I mean, I will say going into this record, I mm. was worried that I'd feel suicidal. I thought I might have to commit Harry Carey. Yay! Um, there we are. There we go. Nice. Uh, and, you know, uh, there was a there was a, a, a thing here that said from Bradders uh, who uh-huh. said, uh, uh, my most vid- vivid memory of Mariah is walking in uh, on my dad staring blankly at the cover of one of our albums. It took him 10 seconds to realise I was there, by which point he claimed he was reading the lyrics. Reading the lyrics. Yeah, so what I'm saying is he was less interested in the music, more no. interested in the box. Um, hey! <laughs> uh, that's how wonderful her voice is, clearly rendering a man speechless like that. Yes, indeed. Well, brother's dad, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And, but it's yeah, your balls. I think Krista is, uh, Krista's definitely got one in the bank. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, um, Ben Collins here. Didn't we all agree Mariah Carey was popular but dreadful back in the 90s? Yes, we did. That's the thing. We did. Can't stand yeah. all of that melisma stuff. Uh, and even her best single off this, Dream Lover, would be better sung by someone else. Now, I don't think those yeah. things are true. Uh, no, exactly. I, I have come round to mm. a very different way of thinking. The, I was I was with you going into this. Yeah. I thought very much when I read this message that I might agree with you at the end, but there we go. Uh, Kinza, Kinza Lee. Uh, this was so nearly the first album I bought. 12-year-old me went with PJ and Duncan's Psych instead. Wow, there's a choice. I'd I'm, I'm, what a shame that we don't have to do that one. <laughs> uh, but I did. We could do a special. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, no. But I did buy it eventually. Uh, anytime you need a friend, still one of my all-time favourites. Ah. She said, actually, Mariah's still one of my all-time favourites. Well, fair play to you, mate. I suppose it would be different. It's going to be different, obviously, if you were a teenager in 1993 and this was one of the first albums you bought, yeah. and that you would just listen to it over and mm-hmm. over and over and over. And yeah. It, you would probably latch on to other stuff that we haven't quite got. Uh, Phil Guffrey, I remember not giving a monkeys then and suspect that will still be the case all these years later. Uh, I know Phil and I suspect that's probably true. I don't think this is going to be anywhere close to up his street. Uh, Luke at Groob's Fawn, uh, I don't think I've ever heard this album, but I believe it will be crappy middle of the road warbling, very similar to an Adele album, but with 90s production. Not going to listen to it to find <laughs> out. Well, you didn't have to, mate. We did have you, to. We yeah. did, so you don't have to. Yeah. Um, and the, the production... I would agree that it's very 90s production at times. I mean, obviously in the CNC Music Factory ones, the Clivilles and Coles, that's very 90s. Some of the other ones are more just kind of generic power ballads. It, it's, you know, it's more 80s and 90s at times. Um, but I, I suspect you're probably right with the Adele thing. I haven't listened to an Adele album at all, but it's entirely possible that that's kind of what she does. The, the album cover, whenever we were talking about that, to me, I imagine that's what all of Adele's album covers look like. Just a black and white photo of her face. I could be wrong. I, I would imagine know. so. Yeah. I would imagine so. Uh, we've got one one last one, actually, just come in today from Lloyd. Oh, big up, Lloyd. Big up, Lloyd. Uh, whilst aware of it and remaining appreciative of her obvious vocal talent, it's not really anywhere near what I was interested in at the time. Uh, probably know the singles, but not much more than that. Well, there That's you the go, same boat we were in. That's pretty much the same boat we were in. Um, well, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Maybe Lloyd listening to us has uh, changed his mind as well. Anyway, right. right um, okay, so we have to choose... At least one track, maximum of three, to put on our ongoing playlist. Sure. I mean, I'm just pleased that it's not going to be a fucking, oh, God, we've got to choose a track. We've actually got something to choose from. Absolutely. My suggestions, unfortunately, my suggestions aren't going to fly because mine were without you and I've been thinking about you. I mean, without you, I'd absolutely say, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because it's incredible. Obviously, everyone's heard it a million times, but it's brilliant. Uh, But no, yeah, I've been thinking about you, didn't do it for me. Fair enough. I kind of, Mm. after that, 
it would probably be Hero for mm, me. And I'd... I think, I, I don't know if I want to go with the two big singles and... Right. So I think... Wait, anytime You Need a Friend was all right with me as well. Track three. Yeah, I think that would probably be where I would go next. Right. Yeah. Because we don't have to do two. No, I think we. I think we. I think it deserves two. Okay. I, I do think it deserves two, and I would. Get, I would say let's go. Anytime you need a friend as well. Okay, we'll do those two. All right, brilliant. Perfect. If Sweet. You, if you agree or disagree with our takes, mm, let us know. Um, please do. Uh, what are we back with next time again, Krista? Uh, it's a massive one. It is an absolute monster album. Right. And we might have a guest. We shall oh, okay. have to see because it's Meatloaf. Oh yes. It's Meatloaf with Battle to Hell Two back into Hell. Oh yeah. And so. That's going to be quite something, I imagine. Yes, I, I would imagine it is. I'm going to start. I'm going to start listening to that now. Right. So yeah, that's the next one, uh, and there's going to be a lot to say about that. I would imagine. All right. Well, look. Uh, good to see you as always, mate. Indeed, um, man. Indeed. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is PCLPodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCL Music Podcast at gmail.com. 